Hey everybody, welcome to RBL Weekly, the show where we cover the top five battles from the week in the Roast Battle League. I am the RBL Commissioner, Pat Barker, and I am joined uh, today by a very special guest. He is uh, arguably the winningest battler in the history of our fine sport. This is Omid Singh. Thanks for doing this, dude. You're welcome, Pat. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I say arguably because uh, you know I don't know if you remember, but about a month ago, we Officially, are... we have the same amount of wins, and I, I brought that up as a as a moment of celebration for both of us. Twenty eight wins, my God, how could we not be excited about that? No, Mead, very uh, matter of factly told me, no, I have more than you um, because you battled all over the world and all sorts of leagues that maybe you know shady record keeping, uh, and you've won all over the all over the globe. So you were very quick to tell me that you actually have more than me. So congratulations. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. <laughs> Uh, and with the Global Roast Battle League, uh, you know, across three continents, who better to bring in than you? You've kind of battled uh, ev- everywhere. Where have you battled? I battled here in, in L.A., battled in Austin, Montreal, London, and Edinburgh. And uh, San Diego. And San Diego. Right. La sure. Jolla. Right. Yeah. Where you beat me. Uh, I, I, I did. Yeah. I did. Clo- We're going to talk a little bit more about that uh, later. We'll keep it, yeah. Later. Uh, but... Uh, but you mentioned Edinburgh. I, I just want to uh, shout out real quick. Roast Battle UK is uh, performing shows all across the month there. Uh, you battled over there. What was that experience like? It's amazing. Think about it like old school belly room days where people are packed into a room watching seven or eight battles. It's very quick, really fun. Uh, they know what they're doing. They're there to sell drinks. They're there to sell tickets and tell mean jokes. And it happens a lot. And yeah. their performers are really good most of the time. We've, I mean, we've watched a lot of London already on the show. What, what is like? You battled a British, I assume, somebody from from England. Yeah. What? How? How's the style different over there? It's not really. I mean, maybe they're just a little bit more saucy, if you know what I'm saying. I feel like a battler in London has like an average three drinks before they go up on stage. Right? I feel uh, okay. like in LA, it's like a protein bar and six <laughs> bottles of water right before going into the belly room. Right. But in the UK, it's just a little bit looser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think in the, in the belly room, it's all about like word economy. Like you have to nail every syllable. And in the UK, it's just like, I'm going to take 45 seconds to tell this joke. I'll get there when I get there. If I had to say what I think it is, it would be that in LA, someone else can rip your head off a lot faster than in London. In London, everyone who's judging you isn't as mean as the people in LA who just will earl you to death. If you know what I'm saying, <laughs> they'll do, earl yeah. skakel you to death where they'll just rip your head off. Right. And that doesn't happen as much in London. There are definitely people that are very good at it. But in Lo- in L.A., you just don't know when it's going to happen. So you just have to be a little bit more prepared. For sure. L.A. Uh, can definitely be bloodthirsty, which brings us to the number five battle of the week. Oh. Uh, we start here in Los Angeles. This is a battle from the belly room this past week that uh, got out of control really, really quickly. Um, we all anticipated that, but it was still cool to see. Uh, this is the number five battle of the week. This is Jasmine Lee versus Crystal Deaza. Let's take a look. This is Jasmine. This is the Steady Girls. Let's go. Crystal doesn't want to be gay anymore. She doesn't want to go to hell. Because, yeah, God doesn't give a fuck about all those dicks you suck. Let's talk about all the broke dicks you suck. Yeah, baby, daddy homeless in Bro, he is. He is. Don't want to get wet to that broke dick. 
Thank you. Thank you very much, Cardi D minus. I appreciate it. Crystal teaches special needs kids. And she's a great example of what a special needs kid can grow up to be. Jasmine stayed doing the most. Shortly after she had Coco, she sprayed her breast milk into a club. What? Yeah, I did. She, I did. She, she sprayed her breast. But what was shocking about that was that any milk came out of them A cup titties. I mean, A cup titties. When you can fit A cup titties into a joke. You got to take that opportunity. That's great. As far as the setup goes, uh, there have not been many more premises that horrified me more than Jasmine sprayed breast milk into the club. <laughs> <laughs> when she said that, I was mortified. Yeah. That was, uh, that was a chaotic... You don't see a lot like that in London, I would imagine. Sure you would. Yeah, yeah. there's... there's- battles that start really really strong and slowly decline and make less sense as the battle ends i didn't mean that necessarily i mean that level of uh moses ratchetness is that the word i'm looking for yes thank you uh yeah that was a uh, that was like controlled chaos kind of from the jump yeah it was it was great i love their energy the way they came up, came up there and just started roasting each other it was, it was fun first jokes landed really well yep in the room i think it Really, uh, what's the wrong cell? It's like a car that just goes really fast when it starts and then slowly <laughs> you get loses it off the, the race. Yeah, yeah, the check engine light comes on like immediately. Now, what what is what's your strategy? Because I I map out every syllable that I'm going to say. I, I I don't try to come up with a lot of stuff on the fly because I'm worried about that exact kind of scenario, and I'm not good enough to pull that off. That's not my strong suit. Are you more like uh, are you more coming up with uh, like little rebuttals on the fly, little things to say, or you just kind of stick to the game plan? No, all around. You got to be ready for everything. You yeah. got to be ready for every single scenario possible, and make sure nobody knows what you brought to the table. Right. And also, if you sprayed your breast milk in the club, I would leave that off the docket. I would not give that to my opponent. I feel like she's told that in confidence, and she decided to use it against her. I, I feel like Jasmine has told that out loud to anybody who will listen. <laughs> I'll spray my breast milk out of the club. <laughs> <laughs> I would never go to the club again. That is, uh, I want to know what club. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I will be staying away from that one. But uh, great battle, great energy to open us up this week. That was L.A. at number five. Uh, we're going to move to the center of the map now. We're heading to Chicago. It's been one of our most consistently performing divisions. They have another banger for us this week. This is number four. This is Adam Quazalo going up against Matthew Mitchell. Let's check it out. All right, let's roast! Alrighty. Uh, Adam gets compared to Jonah Hill a lot because he's fat and Jewish. Uh, if Adam were in a Jonah Hill movie, it would be called Super Bad at Eye Contact with Women. <laughs> the only thing he's ever gotten bad is sleep apnea. <laughs> <laughs> Matt is only 22, which is crazy because it looks like that's how long ago he got divorced. <laughs> It is true, I have a receding hairline. Adam has a receding lifetime. <laughs> uh, so Matt's voice sounds like he does play-by-play -play commentary in a strip club. Thank you. Last joke? Uh, it's true, this is a good battle. Adam is uh, hes almost undefeated. But in a few years, he is going to be defeated when the diabetes takes his feet. <laughs> But for real though, Adam has made a lot of points tonight. Uh, they're all Hitler's points. But 
<laughs> oh. All right. Well, that's it. <laughs> that's how it ends. Give it up for him. Holy shit. Matt talks in his sleep, but all he says is women aren't funny. Oh. Uh, Adam says that he's not really a dog or a cat person. He'll just fuck whatever wanders into the backyard. <laughs> Give it up for them. Yeah. yeah. That was a lot of jokes. That was a lot of jokes. That was a uh, lot of jokes. Now, yeah, a peek behind the curtain, we watched the full battles here, and that was an old-school three-rounder out of Chicago. By the time you guys see it, we'll have whittled it down a little bit. Um, but a, a lot to cover based on what we just watched. Um, that was your first uh, view of Chicago, right? I believe so, yeah. What, what were your thoughts? What did you think? They're having fun. They're they're going out there. It seems like that Matt lost the crowd immediately after his Hitler joke. And like it really turned the room around because that room wasn't ready to hear that joke. Right. And then he was kind of playing uh, you know, with one hand tied behind his back for the rest of the battle. But he had some funny jokes. He just wasn't likable after that moment to the audience. And the funny thing was we discussed the Hitler joke when it happened because I would say a full 30 seconds after the joke landed, you go, I, I just got it. Yeah, it took me a second to get it too. Like if I was in the room where all that stimulation is happening, I also wouldn't have gotten it. But luckily we're just watching on TV and I had a chance to like think about what did he mean by Hitler's points? Oh, he means Hitler's point. Right. Making the points that Hitler Hitler's was making point. about Jews, this guy was reinforcing them as oh, a joke. Ha, ha, ha. That's yeah. a joke. Ha, ha. <laughs> but at first I was like, what in the world is Hitler's points? Like, I didn't know what he was talking so about. So do you think he lost the crowd more because it was offensive or confusing or both? Both. Yeah. He definitely lost it because it was both. Don't bring up Hitler. Don't bring up Hitler. Just leave Hitler out of it. You're not battling Hitler. You're if battling I could offer a counterpoint, uh, a well-placed Hitler reference. Mwah. Can't go wrong. I don't know. I just, I don't find him funny. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer his earlier stuff. Um, yeah, no, but it was a, and, and this was an old school thing. We don't do many three rounders out here in LA anymore, but coming up, you and I would do them all the time. That's a lot of jokes to write. I mean, those guys probably did 15 jokes a piece. Yeah. It should be somewhere between nine and 11. Nice. That's why we brought you here. Thanks. Um, but I, I, I thought that was a that was a really good one. We've seen Matthew uh, a couple times on our social media. That was the first time seeing Adam. Um, really like the energy that that both of them had. It seemed like a good uh, good style clash. The the one thing that I noticed about Adam is he loved uh, doing those little like conversational rebuttals that we kind of talked about earlier, and he was losing a lot of steam in the first round. I thought by having a response to everything that was said without it being like particularly funny. Well, you could tell Adam was just swinging for the fences. He was going to say whatever he wanted to say, even if it wasn't funny, because he believed in himself that what he was going to say was going to be funny. And right. he, he doesn't seem like the kind of guy who really cares if the audience doesn't laugh, but he's, of course, happy if they do laugh. But yeah. he wouldn't mind bombing three times for one you know, home run. And, and sometimes that's not a bad strategy. We, I've seen volume shooters who are very successful at it. Yeah. It comes and goes. It's it's got to be your style. Uh, Jeff Jeff Ross always has a phrase. They only remember the home runs, um, which is one way to look at it. I'm still afraid of striking out. I'd prefer to not strike out up there. But his his attitude is, hey, if you strike out 
five times and hit five home runs, they're going to think that you hit 10 home runs. I'd rather just hit five home runs, to be honest. Yeah. Avoid the strikeouts. Yeah. Avoid the strikeouts. Yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm with you on that one. Uh, So uh, great stuff from Chicago as usual. Now we move to number three and it is a debuting city Uh, on our fifth episode of RBL Weekly. This is the first time we will be looking at our Tokyo division. Um, Exciting stuff. They had a tournament to crown a new champion. Uh, last month, and uh, as we said before, there have been tons of complications with COVID and everything. We finally have some of the footage. This was a tournament they held over the course of one night. Uh, I believe it was eight or 16 comics, so they had to write for so many potential opponents. Uh, It ended up being won by a guy named Troy Lewis, who we're going to check out here. This is one of his quarterfinal matches. Troy Lewis, uh, an American living over on Japanese soil right now, going up against an Australian who lives in Tokyo named Harry Metcalf. Uh, and this uh, this was one of my favorite battles of the entire event. Let's take a look at it. Battle, battle, battle. Troy just stopped. Troy. Oh, hey, guys. I'm starting. Uh, Harry's my buddy, man. Uh, Harry shakes a lot. He has, like, uh, shaky hands, you know. And I just want you to know, man, you can relax. I'm not going to rob you. <laughs> Again. Um. Oh, nice. I thought I thought I would have more sympathy from you with the whole shaky hands thing, you know, given you're a fellow crack baby. Um. So I don't know him that great, so I had to look at his uh, tweets to kind of figure out a little bit more about him, you know? Uh, so I'll share a few with you. Two fat women with baby just entered smoking area of restaurant. Good argument for mandatory sterilization. (laughs) Harry is pro-choice. Unless you're a fat woman. I think that I should get some cred for Troy's jokes. Like, that was awesome. Anyway, thank you, Malcolm X Con. Harry has a sister. Her name is May. I found out about her on Facebook. Um... She's 11 years younger than Harry. Yeah. Uh, he's also an author. He wrote a book. Uh, I found out about May because she's one of the only people who reviewed his book. Uh, she wrote that it ruined Tzatziki and Jack Daniels for her. If only it had ruined smoking crystal meth and turning tricks for her, she wouldn't be the most sought after hooker in Castlemaine, Victoria. That is true. Yeah, she gets a lot of business. Um, Big round of applause, both battlers! They have a bell. <laughs> and it's such a... Such... Dun, 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 dun. I know, like, we kind of have a bell, too, but it's like a boxing Yeah, it's way bell. better than a, excuse me, Yeah. <laughs> my, yeah. is my room ready? Yeah, you go to the hotel at two in the morning clink, and there's nobody clink, at the desk. Clink, clink. Um, wow. I wow. thought I thought there were... You know, the story of the battle to me is is twofold. Number one, they were both going for such insane volume, trying to fit so many punchlines in there. And buried in there were some really good ones. Sure. Um, But it was a strategy that, yeah, when you watch it play out in its entirety, the percentage of hits was... uh, was rough. Think about it as like a restaurant. Do you want a bunch of really bad food and one good dish, or do you want four really good dishes? 
Um, as someone who has spent a lot of time in shitty buffets, I could see both. Okay, fine. Fair enough. No, but I, it depends on the night. I mean, you got to read the room, too. But, and sure, and you also don't know until you get up there what's going to work and what's not. You might have an idea, but it's newer in Tokyo than it is here. Right, we have the benefit right. of having done 40 to 50 battles over right. the course of a fucking decade. Right? I get it. I get what you're saying. So for these guys, they're new. They're, they're kind of getting up there and they're figuring it out. And we watched, uh, in, in my opinion, um, uh, Harry figure out in real time that the crowd in Tokyo is not a fan of racist jokes against black people. Um, you saw that kind of play out. I mean, you know... It, I, I, I thought the, you know, um, the whole lead up to pretending that he can read the book, everything else, the tribal tattoo and teaching a three-year-old how to yeah. twerk, it was unnecessary and it made the crowd uncomfortable. You know, just maybe get to the, the good punchline. Yeah. Um, but then even there having like the act out. I loved the act out, to be honest. I thought Did the you? act out was hilarious. That was I the think, highlight? Because I'm... I, can't believe his mind like where he went into to go into that act out yeah and i appreciate watching it i thought harry was very funny i thought troy was both i thought they were both very funny yeah agreed. but you could make it faster you can make it more exciting you don't have to play it at that maria bamford level for a <laughs> for battle sure. it's like you don't need to do that in this joke writing competition but i guess you you gotta also enjoy whatever style you bring to the game it'll be interesting to see as this evolves whether or not that becomes sort of the official tokyo style because london is a little bit more drawn out like that as well a little bit yeah london's more i'm gonna ramble for a little bit while it seemed like tokyo they were so polite to each other too about not wanting to interrupt and be like excuse me like when's my turn like i, I want to tell some jokes i don't know it was nice let me ask you a question troy's strategy of digging deep on social media very funny. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, everything like that. I know that's not your style, but how how do you view that as a, that's great. As a battler? Yeah, do whatever you got to do. Don't go crazy about it, but do whatever you got to do. Find out the information to entertain people. At sure. the end of the day, it's to entertain those people that are in front of you and let them decide who's funnier. Yeah, and also shout out to Harry on his rebuttal when <laughs> Troy said his sister is uh, the biggest like crack whore in Australia, and he said, "Yeah, she gets a lot of business." Yeah, that's really good. That's yeah. good sportsmanship. That instead of going, my my sister is not a prostitute. <laughs> it's like we know your sister is not a prostitute. Like, right. Just just play along. Just with play it. along with it for the sake of the show. So congratulations to Troy Lewis. He is the official uh, first RBL champion in Tokyo. Um, I assume once the whole country does not have COVID, he will be defending his belt very shortly, and you'll be hearing about that here on the show. Uh, for more information, you can follow me at RBL Kamish. Uh, I have all the latest info on there as well. Uh, we move now to the number two battle of the week. Uh, this comes from the Big Apple, New York City. Uh, this is a good one. This is uh, James Pontillo who we've seen battle in L.A. He battled on the Netflix is a joke show that we did a couple of months ago. He is also uh, the president of the New York division, and this is him going at, going against Nathan Orton. It's my first time seeing Nathan. Uh, he has a really interesting strategy here that I think you're going to like. When I watched this specifically, I was like, this seems right up Omid's alley. So I'm excited for you to see it and uh, excited for you guys to see it too. Let's check it out. James, you creepy dolphin. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, do more. That's it? Yeah, you're you're creepy and you look like a dolphin. <laughs> oh, um, oh, all right, Nathan. Thank, thanks for taking a break from calling books gay to be here. <laughs> there was a rumor that uh, Nathan took steroids, uh, but it was just the kids who talked about his penis in court. <laughs> Sorry. The neocortex of a dolphin is 40% larger 
than that of a human. But what's even more interesting is that dolphins use this extra brain mass exclusively to cook pasta, bake for spots, and make women uncomfortable. <laughs> Nathan, if you're here, who's yelling the N-word at Soul Cycle? <laughs> Dolphins may look cute, but did you know that they also push Asians in front of the subway? Nathan's uh, dating a much younger Spanish girl who I didn't know would be sitting right there. <laughs> They're making a movie about their relationship called Alien vs. Predator. <laughs> There are several species of dolphin, including striped, bottlenose, orca, and big dumb faggot. because he wouldn't stop drinking the sperm. <laughs> Used to work in a bank, but he got fired because he wouldn't quit drinking the sperm. That's so funny. I love it. Yeah. I love it. J- James was, uh, so obviously two really different strategies in that one. James, classic roast battle approach, good, tight jokes, really well written, a couple of thank you so-and-sos, if you're here, then who's doing it? All of the classics. And Nathan just went completely off the board and went for kind of like a like a wacky kind of theme. Uh, I enjoyed both. I think what James did was harder. I think what Nathan did was, I'm going to go with this dolphin theme, stick to it, hit him with this dolphin thing, while James was like, I'm going to chop your head off, I'm going to cut your legs off, I'm going to cut your arms off. And he did it perfectly too. Yeah. The dolphin thing was very funny. It was very funny hearing all the different stuff that he was relaying back to dolphins. But I think James just really crushed him with good wordplay, good jokes, and just being all around instead of just the one level dolphin, dolphin, dolphin. Yeah, I mean, I talk about it all the time, but like from a writer's perspective, there are a certain, you know, there's a number of ways that you can write a really good roast joke. And James kind of dipped into the bag and experimented with like three or four different structures to come up with these jokes, and they were all really good. I... As someone who's battled a bunch, I find myself more and more getting, I don't want to say bored, but you have to challenge yourself, I feel like, to do something different. And the thematic kind of element of what Nathan did, in a way, I really relate to it because I'm like, I like to like fuck with things like that and try to come up with new stuff. I'm not totally sure that he landed it. There were definitely a couple laugh out loud moments, but I respect what he did. See, to me, that's not different. To me, doing the one lane... Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep saying that same word that I know is funny Yeah. in every joke. To me, it's it's not new anymore. I feel like I've seen that happen so many times. And if it is new, like he did it the best that I've seen it in a long time as well. I would say his dolphin material was really funny and, uh, you know, surprising. But I've seen that happen before now where it's like, all right, you're just going to say dolphins every time. You're just going to say that one word that's triggering in a funny way. Mm-hmm. Instead of just thinking more about 
who this person is. You just can't call somebody. I mean, in my opinion, calling someone a dolphin five times just seems a little. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I could see that. It also, it brings to mind, and this is a bigger like issue, bigger than just roast battle. But I remember a quote from Bill Burr years ago when he was talking about the all. Who? Uh, he's a comedian. Never up and coming guy. He's going to be on a uh, roast battle Boston when we launch. You mean Billy Burr? That's the guy. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. Never yeah, heard yeah. of this other guy before. No. Yeah. I, we're close, so I, I know him as Bill, but a lot of people, <laughs> Billy. Um, but he was talking about the alt comedy scene and how he felt like going up there and doing sort of like an esoteric performance was almost like a shield because you've shielded yourself from bombing. Because if you bomb, it's like, well, I wasn't going for a typical audience reaction anyway. I'm doing this thing that's sort of like above your head. Do you feel like it, it's almost like lit, like... I don't want to say lazy, but in a way protecting yourself from having to deal with that. It's just believing in this one thing so much. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to invest everything I have into dolphins. And I'm going to go hell or high water on dolphins. And that's that happens to everybody at some point. They're like, this is so funny. I can bring it back. I'm so charming. I can bring it back. But I feel like James, because he was doing all the different angles... People were excited to hear what Jay. I was excited to hear what James had to say. Right. Because at, after the third joke, I knew I was going to hear about dolphins again. <laughs> right, right, right. And I was surprised every time with what the punchline was. I was waiting for it to be something that I'd heard before, and it wasn't. So the dolphin stuff was very funny, but I think the audience appreciated James more. Yeah. And I think James was also just having a way better time on stage. I agree. Yeah, he was. Uh, I know he was really fired up about this battle. He was really looking forward to it, and it showed in his material. Um, the the one the one joke, uh, whatever his third joke was, it's slipping my mind right now. I shouldn't have brought it up if I didn't. The one about the joke, uh, pre- Alien versus Predator. Oh, Alien versus Predator. Yeah, it's a great joke. Great joke. I love jokes like that that work on like a couple different levels and have you know multiple references like that. And it was just really, really. He well really done. thought about what situation he was going in. Like he's dating a Mexican, and you know that's just a funny joke. And he yeah. looks like a predator. So boom, that's yeah. a great joke. New York has uh, really been killing it the last couple of weeks on the show. Uh, so props to the New York division. They are doing a great job, and we look forward to seeing more from them. Um, they were not the number one battle this week. Uh, leading into this, we've had two from Chicago, one from New York, one from the Bay Area, and we've been wondering who's going to be next, which of our seven cities, and it turns out none of them. None of them. We're going off the board this week. Uh, this is from a one-off event that we did down in San Diego at the La Jolla Comedy Store. Uh, we hadn't been there since, uh, I believe, 2018 when a young Pat Barker <laughs> battled a young Omid Singh. For the second time. For the second time. For the uh, second time. That was a re- Before we get to this one, real quick, what do you remember about that night, that room? I remember about? after my fifth joke, you turned to Moses and you said, wow, tripped on the one yard line. <laughs> because that joke that I said, I it was one of those yeah. jokes where I believed in so hard of Pat looks like a bad guy from the Halo video games. And nobody in the audience was on board with me at all. Right. And I, I, I did. I think I had you up until you that did. joke. You did. And then I was just like, dang, I lost to Pat again. Like, okay, I'll take it. I was prepared to lose because I'm always like, I don't want to say keeping score because I don't have like points in my head. But you can always feel from a momentum perspective. Yeah. Like, okay, I'm behind. If yeah, he nails this joke, it's over. Yeah, of course. And that's how I felt. And then you did the only thing that could have, even if you had a mediocre joke. It would have been great. You would have won. Yeah, yeah. But because the joke was so bad and nobody <laughs> laughed, then, um, uh, oh God, Benji. Benji in the, in the judges section was like, 
he said something like, Omi, do you even want to be here right now? And I kind of just like shrugged my shoulders, like in a passive, like, <laughs> I guess. And he's like, no, you don't want it enough, Pat. And I was like, oh, <laughs> stupid. Trying to play it cool. Yeah, try to play it cool too much. Or I was just like shocked that that Halo joke got nothing. Yeah. Like more than nothing. Right. And it was what it was. I, uh, I, I haven't, I've never played the Halo video game, so it didn't it resonate, didn't resonate with, with you. There was no laugh from you. There was no laugh from I mean, the room was cricket. Yeah, yeah, and, and it was that, a, it was a hot room up until that point. Oh my god, we had a great we, battle. We were having a great battle. It was going really, really well. We were having a super good battle. Yeah, you were crushing. I was doing pretty good. You I were felt doing great. pretty good. And yeah. then, uh, yeah, it was just that one that uh, you got to leave on a strong note. And you got to leave on happen. a really strong note, and yeah, memorable. But yeah, that was a bad joke. But great night, great great room. It was really nice to go back. I I judged this one and. Um, we brought some LA guys down there and everybody did their thing, but it was two local guys from San Diego that I believe were a last second replacement. I think that they were not even supposed to battle and they went up first and they just set a standard that nobody was fully able to meet for the rest of the night. Um, so I'm excited to watch this battle back for the first time since I saw it live. This is Andrew Parker Davis against Mike Cabio from La Jolla, California. Let's check it out. Mike looks like the type of guy that goes into the pool with his shirt on. Uh, he also looks like the type of guy that has trouble getting into boats. But actually, actually Mike likes being fat because it draws attention away from the fact that he doesn't have a personality. So. I'll take this fucking shirt off right now. Third, if anyone 
a uh, new Mr. Potato Head coming out, being modeled after Mike Cabio. To show kids, to show kids that it's okay to be fat, uh, it's called Mr. Sweet Potato Head. And it includes insulin shots and a replica of the open wound on his foot. Uh... Keep it going, yeah. So we, we've seen on this episode uh, a little bit of everything. We saw a lot of theatrics in the first battle, um, a lot of craziness. We saw really strong joke writing in some of the later battles. That battle kind of had a little bit of everything. Yeah. Um, it was a good mixture of everything. Good pops up top. Obviously, the audience was the best audience that we'd seen out of all the clips. The yeah. most engaged, I think. They were like into the battle. They understood what was happening, the concept. Like, think about the Tokyo audience and then think about that audience in La Jolla. It's just different. Yeah. And they were just ready for it. And kudos to them for really bringing it, being funny, and having the good jokes. Exactly. And, you know, I I think that it's a chicken and the egg thing, right? The audience was great. But the audience was at a level, and then they were able to bring them up to an even higher level. Okay. Whereas I think Tokyo, uh, you know, they I think the Tokyo crowd was really good. But I think because of the pace of the battle, which we discussed, it, it was uh, they were unable to sustain that for the entire time. True. Just because the pace was so much slower. Here, I mean, look, as a fat guy, taking your shirt off at roast battle is a guaranteed W every time. I should be undefeated. I could have, all the time I wasted writing jokes, if I had just done that, uh, I, I would have never lost. Because that is... Uh, you know, that's the ultimate uh, finishing move. Yeah. And and it's really hard to battle a fat shirtless guy. How are you going to call the guy fat when he's owning it that hard? Yeah, exactly. You I know? mean, Keith does that all the time. Keith Carey is, the, is a master of that. He doesn't care. You yeah. call him fat as much as you want. He'll take his shirt off. He'll take his pants off. He'll take anything off. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Did you ever find it, by the way, did you ever hear about uh, when we did a show in Houston and he battled Nicole Buchanan and we had had a flight delayed for like 10 hours. We got there late. It was a train wreck. Um, and they were the last battle of the night and the crowd was just cooked because we started like two hours late and they both stripped down to their underwear and battled and I've never seen a crowd hate anything more. Oh no. They were not enjoying it even a little bit. Like here, here are two of the greatest to ever do this. Yeah. Trying to put on this show and the crowd just audibly was like, we do. We Did anyone no ask them to strip? No. Oh, see, that's the issue. Yeah. Someone asked them to take a shirt. He said, I'll take my shirt off right now. Just voluntarily taking off your clothes. You're like, well, who are these crazy people taking off their clothes on stage? <laughs> right. In Houston? Yeah. Houston, no, they're not ready for they that. They were not ready for it at all. But the, the La Jolla crowd was definitely ready for this. I, I, I love the joke writing from these guys. Um, for Mike, he came up on stage. This was the first guy we saw all night. He's wearing flip-flops. He's wearing shorts. And he's wearing a t-shirt, which quickly comes off. He had this laid back. I, It's a tight, tight line to walk. The, the attitude of like... I don't even care if I'm fucking here or not. Yeah. Um, playing it too cool for the room. And he walked it masterfully. I think his heart was probably pumping pretty hard. I think he had a lot of adrenaline going through him. And he was just, that was what was coming out. It seemed like he was calculated. Yeah. Oh, it was 100% calculated. But to have to have a crowd going that crazy for you and not even like crack a smile and not break character and just be like, dude, whatever, this is just what I do. Yeah. Um, it really, it really played well. And Andrew really came with the heat too. I thought a lot of his jokes were great. Um, even if the math was off in that percentage joke, it was 110%. I don't know if you caught oh, that. Oh, was it? Uh, but, no. uh, you know, I, the Mexican Shrek and everything like that Very was funny. a beautiful visual joke and nailed it. The guy looked just like it. Um, 
So yeah, I mean, hopefully we're back in La Jolla soon. I would love to do more shows down there. The crowds are always great. And, uh, you know, we're always looking to expand. And Roast Battle San Diego could be in the cards if those are two of their, you know, undercard guys. Sure, why not? Definitely. Um, where where do you want to see us expand to next? You've been you've been all over the place. What what's a great roast battle city we're not in hmm. right now? It's probably going to be a Canadian city if you really think about it. Yeah, it would have to be a Canadian city somewhere we can fly to conveniently, somewhere they can fly down to us. Canadians are funny. Toronto's got a, probably a really good scene. Montreal's probably got a good scene. If I had to put money on somewhere, I'd probably say Toronto. You are you are in my head, my friend. There have been uh there's been some talks. We'll see. We'll see what happens, but I would love it. Uh, great city, uh, great comedy scene, um, great roasters, definitely. Yeah. Uh, so this was your first look at the the RBL as a whole. What, what are your thoughts uh, as we close out the show here? I think it's great. Let's keep going. Keep having roast battle. Make sure everybody knows that it's just about jokes, having fun, keeping a good community together. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. What a touching message to close the show from the great Omid Singh. Officially 28 wins on his career, but unofficially. <laughs> 107. 107. That's, That's the number you're claiming? With, yeah. Unofficially 107. I'm excited to be in second place all time. <laughs> uh, way, way, way behind. Thank you for doing this, man. Thanks no for joining us. And uh, check this out every week. Make sure to follow me uh, on Instagram at RBL Commish for all the Roast Battle League content. And we will be back next week with more battles. And uh, we'll see you then. <laughs>